Yay and pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that uh, we are here. We thank you that we can worship you. We thank you that uh, we are made to worship. And so, Lord, we we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you uh, all, all the... We, we, we just want to bow our heads to you, Lord, and say you are in control and we're so thankful that we're not, Lord. And so we walk in that settled assurance that you are in control and that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that, uh, just like Daniel, that faith starves our fears and we're able to walk. Lord, to think about you coming, to think about what's going to be happening uh, in the future and all the, all the incredible plans that you have for us, not just now, but, but in the future and for all of eternity, Lord, it just excites my heart to know that uh, this is not it. This is not it. But you have so much more for us. So much more. Lord, let us live above the line. Let us look to you uh, as the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us look at beyond. Look at the day, Lord. Not today, but the day when we are with you that day. And let us live for that day, Lord, in all of our thoughts and our walk. Uh, Let our minds be the minds of Christ. And we set our minds on things above, not on things on earth, Lord. And so I thank you that we can be like Daniel and how you trusted him to give these visions, to give these um, prophetic words, Lord, that we can look forward to your coming. And so give us understanding today, Lord. Give us understanding, your your Holy Spirit illuminating our hearts and our minds to hear from uh, you so that we can hope in what the future will be. Not that kind of hope where we wish, but that we know. Because because faith is certain of what we hope for and sure of what we do not see. That hope isn't the wishbone hope. That's the backbone hope, Lord. And so we praise you in that. And so teach us today, Lord, and, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Now, whoever doesn't have this timeline, I, Kristen, right, honey, I got you one, right? Anybody else doesn't have this? Marini? Uh Brenda, okay. All right. This is important to have so we can see... Everybody, everybody else good? All right. Um, so we can see where we are. We've been in Daniel 7. <coughs> We're going to k- kick into Daniel 8 next week as well. Uh, but right now... We're going to into Revelation 13 and, Lord willing, 19, okay? There are four, we talked about the four um, areas of the Word of God that talk about the Antichrist, okay? Now, when you look at your timeline, look at your timeline, okay? And, and the ones that have not had it before, copy from the person next to you because there's all kinds of dates that are very important in here because what we look at this timeline from... Uh, from the perspective is, has all of this happened all the way up to where our happy face is? Yes. yes. Was that all? Was that all um, prophetic? Yes. Yes. Was it all? Yes. Exactly. Was it? Was it absolutely? And so, it, and so, when you look at that, you know that you know that this is what has happened because we are past this, right? We are between May fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight, when Israel was restored as a nation. And the rapture, okay? Because the next big, the be- next big gig on God's iPhone app is uh, is the rapture, okay? So He knows the event, He knows when it's going to happen. We're in God's waiting room until then, all right? Now, when we when we go in the rapture, then happens the tribulation, okay? On, the rapture is heaven, tribulation is on earth, okay? Hi, Nicole, uh, is on earth, okay? So. During the tribulation, we read in Daniel 7, there will be a a man that comes to power known as the 
Antichrist, okay? So, we are studying four areas about the Antichrist, okay? We, we studied in, in, um, in chapter, um, in Daniel 7... Yeah, we studied in, in Daniel 7 um, that in verse 24 that his rise to power will come out of the natural flow of events. Okay, uh, The stage will be set for this, his insidious scheme of world domination. Okay, It will already be set because we'll be out of here. It will be chaotic. People will be looking to be delivered. What's going on? He will rise to power. It will be very easy for them to follow him like lemmings off a cliff. Okay? Alright, so the opportunity will occur right after the rapture, and his religious position will not be secret, as in Daniel 7. Uh, as in Daniel 7, he tells us, okay? Um, because he speaks out against the Most High God. There you go, sweetie. He speaks out against the Most High God, right? And so he will persecute those. Christians, of course, who worship the Most High God, and that's during the tribulation. The Christians who come to know Jesus during the tribulation. There'll be hundreds of thousands of people who will come to know. Maybe millions, okay? Uh, during the tribulation, okay? Because they will be ready. It's, it's a second chance, okay? And so, um, during that time, however, during the tribulation, he will be persecuting them. And that's in verse 25, uh, Daniel 7, verse 25a. And in Daniel 7, verse 25b, we know that the Antichrist will abolish all the laws, the then known laws, and he will set up his own anti-God laws. Okay, anti-God laws. All right, so we know that out of second, uh, excuse me, out of Daniel 7. <clears throat> then we went into Second Thessalonians 2, which we studied all about the Antichrist, okay, and he was called the man of... Perdition, okay, destruction, or the man of lawlessness, good, uh, or the man of sin, as it was in um, the New King James Version, okay? And so we learned all about him. And remember, this was when Paul was talking to the new believers in Thessalonica, the church at Thessalonica, that was in 2 Thessalonians 2. He was only there for about 10 to 15 days, it says in Acts 17, and he thought it very necessary to share with him about uh, with them about the Antichrist and about the rapture because they were there was all kinds of stuff because a false teacher had come along and said, you missed the rapture. Ah, we missed the rapture! Right? And so they're all freaking out with the new believers. I don't know, I believe we missed the rapture. Ah, right? So they're thinking, and Paul comes along, right, and he shares with the new believers, okay, you haven't missed it, this is what's going to happen, okay? Which I love because he shared with the new believers and he got very detailed about it, so therefore we, we don't have to be Hebrew and Greek scholars, right, to know what's going to happen, all right? People go, oh, no, 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 no. Scripture interprets scripture and you just keep walking through it. Okay, and so Paul gives you that hope. He was telling the new believers, this is what it is, and we learned all about the man of lawlessness and, and who he is. Now, the fourth area that we're going into, or excuse me, the third, Daniel 7, 2 Thessalonians 2, then um, Revelation 13. We covered a little bit of that last week, but I want you to open up to Revelation 13 because um, this, is, this is now John the Apostle who is on the Isle of Patmos, who is there because of his faith. They've exiled him there. It's a horrific place. And meanwhile, in this horrific place, God peeks back a little curtain to heaven and gives him all this you know, vision and everything. And so he's able to share that with us in Revelation. It's not revelations. It's revelation of whom? Jesus Christ. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. So revelation is about... 
you don't know, then you know. Right? First you don't know something, and that's just how you came to know Jesus as your Savior. Right? It was like, mm, and then you know. Okay? The scales fall off. So it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And in, in Revelation 13, he's speaking about the beasts. Okay? Actually, there are two beasts, and we'll, we'll get into that. But let's first read this for a second. All is in an order so you can see it. Revelation 13, subhead says, The beast out of the sea. Remember, this is a vision that John the Apostle is given. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. Okay? Uh, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. All bringing back like what Val was reading last week in Daniel 7, right? About Daniel 7. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Now, who's the beast, guys? I want you to make sure you know. Antichrist. Good. Okay. Men worship the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan, because he had given authority to the Antichrist. I'll just throw that in there. And they also worshiped the Antichrist and asked, who is like the Antichrist? Who can make war against him? Okay, so every time the beast, think about the Antichrist, right? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and exercise his authority for 42 months, which is how many years? Three and a half. On your little Daniel timeline, right? Three and a half. Remember, this is the 11th horn, right? Like in Daniel 7, right? He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have what? Not been written where? In the book of life belonging to the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus, that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. That means, you know what, you better listen up. Whenever you see that in the Word of God, you had better listen. You had better listen with both ears, okay? Because he is being very serious. It's like sober up in this. Revelation 1 through Revelation 6, when he's talking to the churches, when he talks to the church at Ephesus, the church at Philadelphia, the church at Pergamum, all these, right? He'd always say it the... He who has an ear, let him, let him hear. In other words, you better listen. You better listen. And so he tells him, he who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. Remember, this is John talking, his vision. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone small and great 
rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is name, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Okay, the mark of the beast. Okay. Now, you guys, as, as real as all of this has happened... What I just read is just as real. Okay, I want you to understand that. Okay, The settled assurance, like in Daniel, that God is in control. The settled assurance that he is in control. All of this has happened. This too will happen. Okay? All right. He is faithful then. He is faithful now. And he will continue. Now, I want you to understand. Some of you are going, okay, this is, we're going to walk through this and it will just come alive. It will just come alive. I promise you. It will be illuminated. All right. Now, in verse one, verse one, this is John's vision of the beast rising from the sea. Okay. The beast is rising from the sea. All right. Now, he says he stood on the sand of the sea. Now, in Revelation 12, I'm not going to go back there, but in Revelation 12, John's vision mainly had heaven in view. Okay? Mainly had heaven in view when he had a vision then. Okay? Now the scene, now the vision shifts to earth. It shifts to earth, and his vision is he stood on the sand of the sea. He stood on the sand of the sea. Remember, even in Daniel 7, it talked about the sea. Remember that? Okay? Now, you know, many people today love the sea, but, you know, as a whole, Jewish. Jewish people in biblical times, remember I was talking this in Daniel 7, they regarded the sea as a wild, untamed, frightening place. Okay? All right. And because ancient Israel was very wary of the sea, it was a figure of evil. Remember, it was a figure of chaos with man. It was a, it was a figure of that. And, and, and where the chaos that resisted God. Okay? The chaos that resisted God. And and even though, it's so funny, man's chaos, right, and resistance God, but guess what happens? The resistance always is unsuccessful. It always is unsuccessful. Um, just write down these, and I'll read them to you. Psalm 74, 12 and 13 says, For God is my king from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength, God. You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the water. Okay, Psalm 89, 8 and 9 says, O Lord... I'm sorry, Psalm 74, 12 and 14, you said? Yep, 12 through 13. 12 through 13. You don't want us to write down... No, 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 you don't... don't write down what you said. No, just the reference, sweetie, and you can just look that up then, okay? Then Psalm 89, 8 and 9 says, O Lord God of hosts, capital L-O-R-D, meaning Yahweh, his divine personal name, okay? Who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Okay? In Isaiah 57, 20, but the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Okay? So I want you to see from those that that um, you know, ancient Israel was wary of the sea, okay? Because it was a figure of evil and chaos that seemed to resist God, okay? Though the resistance was what? Unsuccessful. Because who rules the sea? God does, right? God does, no matter what, okay? So, John sees this beast rising up out of the sea, rising up out of all this chaos, okay? From the place identified with evil and chaos, resisting God, okay? A beast comes forth. Are you following me? 
Okay? So from this chaos, from resisting God, a beast comes forth. Okay? Now, the Greek word beast there, translated, is an idea of a wild, dangerous animal. Okay? Even in the Greek. All right? And because John calls him a beast and not a dragon, Revelation 12, 3, he said dragon. He talked about a dragon. Okay? Well, this time he's talking about a beast. So this creature represents someone distinct from Satan, from the dragon, okay, who was represented by the dragon. Okay? In other words, Revelation 12, 9. Okay? So he's like a representative of this dragon. Okay? He's a distinct person, and we know that the beast is the Antichrist, and he represents the dragon, which is Satan. Okay? Back in Revelation 12, 9. Now, this beast rising out of the sea has what? Seven heads, seven heads, and ten horns. Okay? Now, this creature is distinct from the dragon, okay, um, from the dragon in Revelation 12, but he's closely identified him with him, okay? He's not the dragon, but he's like the dragon because the dragon in Revelation 11, verse 3, has seven heads and ten horns, okay? So any creature, as I'm studying this, like any creature that has seven heads, okay, would be hard to kill, wouldn't it? Would it be hard to kill? Okay, I got this one head. Oh, there's six more heads, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it's hard to kill a creature with seven heads, okay? Because if you kill one, six are going to remain, all right? So in biblical imagery, um, the horns then, remember the horns? What do they represent? Do you remember what the horns represent in Daniel 7 even? Power. Power, strength, okay? Horns meant power and strength, okay? Like, just like when you look at a big buck and he's got all these, you know, well, I've got a 16-point buck or whatever, right? These horns, right? It, it represents power, represents strength. And so um, the horns re- represent, they express strength and power, okay? So, you know, like a bull with, with the two horns is a powerful animal, but a creature, uh, you know, a, a beast with ten horns is much more powerful, all right, just like the dragon of Revelation 12, verse 3 that he talked about. All right, so now this beast, this beast, the likeness to Satan is just one of the things that identifies this beast with the one popularly known as the Antichrist, right? The Antichrist, okay? So, did you know that the word Antichrist only appears five times in four verses in the Bible? That's it. Only appears five times in four verses in the Bible. And it appears, I just write these down because I'll just read the main one. It appears in 1 John 2, verse 18, and verse 22. 1 John 4, verse 3. 2 John 7. And that's it. Okay, so... 1 John 2.18 is a good example. It says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Capital A, Antichrist. The beast. Okay? Now, with this, um, John refers to an individual. Remember, John the Apostle wrote 1 John as well. All right? All right? As well as the Revelation. All right? John refers to an individual who has captured the imagination of many people, some of who don't even know the Bible. Right? I am sure those who don't, I mean, you've heard of the Antichrist before, right? And most of them have learned about the Antichrist through like a movie called The Omen. 
You know, I mean, all these different things, right? I mean, that's what they, they but but it's all the, you know, Antichrist and the Armageddon and all this kind of stuff. And that's where they, they learn all this from, okay? Now, now the, the, real, the real deal in this, the real, um, as you're reading the Word of God and you're reading into 1 John as well as Revelation and the other chapters we've been looking at about the Antichrist, is I want you to know what the title Antichrist means. It, it does not mean opposite of. Anti does not mean... Many people think, oh, it just means opposite Jesus, opposite this, opposite this. Okay, it doesn't mean that. Do you know what it means? Instead of. Instead. Instead of. Okay? It means instead of. In other words, the Antichrist isn't opposite Jesus. He is instead of Jesus. He takes the place of, in other words. Are you following me? Which he's wanted to do since he was Lucifer, okay? Back in heaven, when when he tried to take over, okay? It's always wanted to take over. So it's instead of Jesus, okay? Most people, when they read about the Antichrist, focus on opposite Jesus, opposite, you know, which which makes them think that the Antichrist is this extremely evil person, which makes them think that, you know, um, you know, Jesus goes around doing good, the Antichrist goes around doing bad, okay? It makes them think that as much as Jesus' character is beautiful and lovely and his personality is wonderful, the Antichrist is ugly and repulsive and awful, okay? It makes them think, you know, that Jesus, who spoke only truth, the Antichrist will speak only lies, okay? In other words, the this this emphasis on opposite Jesus is wrong. It's wrong. It's instead of Jesus. Okay, the Antichrist will be instead of Jesus. Okay, he will want to replace him. Okay, he will look wonderful. He will be successful. People will be drawn to him. People, the charismatic personality. People will think he's the greatest. He'll be the ultimate winner. He will be the angel of light. The angel of light. In this sense, in this sense, the Antichrist will be a satanic messiah. Are you following me? The satanic messiah. Instead of the true messiah, Jesus Christ, he's the the, the satanic messiah. Alright? Now, we have the Trinity, right? We have the Holy Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's the unholy Trinity, which is the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, right? Okay, and so in this, in this, uh, he will be the satanic Messiah, okay? In 1 John 2.18, John also speaks of the Antichrist, and he also speaks of many Antichrists when you read the whole the verses that I've given you. But the small a. He speaks one capital A Antichrist. The rest are small little Antichrist. In other words, there is a spirit of the Antichrist that he says, okay? The spirit of the Antichrist is already at work on the earth. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes. Okay, that's the evil. That's the evil. It's already at work on earth, okay? It's already going, all right? But... The spirit of the Antichrist will one day find its ultimate fulfillment in the person of the Antichrist. Capital A. In other words, when you look up in the dictionary, you know, the word sin, he's the embodiment of sin. Remember, men of lawlessness, man of sin, okay? He is, that's him. That's who he is. Okay, and so, um, and he will be the one who will lead humanity in the end times rebellion against God. 
believers will be gone, right? Believers, we believers will be gone, and then and that in the rapture, but then the other believers who come to Christ in the tribulation, you know, he will be he will be leading um, an end times, you know, re- rebellion against God, and they will be persecuted. Remember, it will be easier to die for the Lord than to live for Him at that point. No, no, the Holy Spirit will be hovering. We'll get oh, that's right, like hovering like Old Testament, like Old Testament. Yep, because the church is gone. The Holy Spirit in you, church is gone. Okay. Yep. Good question. Um, all right. So now. Um, the world still is waiting to see the ultimate revelation of the capital A Antichrist, okay? And there are little previews of this man and his mission to come because there are these all little Antichrist, cap, little A, you know, that are, that are amongst us already because the spirit of the Antichrist is here, okay? So, there are other names for the Antichrist that, that God has given throughout the Word of God, all right? We commonly call this world leader the Antichrist, okay? But the Bible gives him other names and titles. Now, we know in Daniel 7, verse 8, because we study that, that he's known as the little what? The little what? What is this? This is the horn. The little horn, remember? There were ten horns, and the eleventh horn was the awful one. Remember, Daniel was like, while I was thinking, while I was thinking, right? And then that eleventh horn, right? Okay, he's called the little horn, all right? In Daniel 8.23, which we're going to kick into next week, he's called the king of fierce countenance. The king of fierce countenance. In Daniel 9, verse 26, he's called the prince that shall come. The prince that shall come. And then in Daniel 11, 36 through 45, he's called the willful king. Now in the New Testament, in John 5, 43, he is called... Sorry. John 5, 43. Okay, the little horn, Daniel 7, 8. The king of fierce countenance, Daniel 8, 23. The prince that shall come, Daniel 9, 26. The willful king... Daniel eleven thirty six through forty five and the one who comes in his own name says John five verse forty three who comes in his own name okay and the last one was what we studied last week Second Thessalonians two three the son of perdition perdition meant destruction meant the opposite of salvation right perdition is the opposite of salvation so he's the son of destruction perdition, the man of sin the lawless one 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 alright so he's called other, other names through the Bible and on his back to the verse and on his crown excuse me, and on his horns ten crowns Okay. now, there's something different about the beast compared to the dragon in Revelation 12, verse 3. Okay? He had seven diadems on his head. All right? Meanwhile, the beast, the Antichrist, has um, his horns, ten crowns. Okay? Now, the seven crowns of the dragon of Satan, okay, expressed his strength and expressed his power because seven, the number... Seven is associated with completeness. It's associated with strength, okay? The ten crowns of the beast, or the Antichrist, express his rule over a group of, remember, 
ten nations. Remember? How, remember if you took the Holy Roman Empire and laid it over the nations and how they would cover, okay? Because, because he's going to come out of that. Remember the Antichrist will come out of that area. He will be a Gentile. Okay, so that, that he will rule over this, these ten nations at first. Okay, now, um, the figure of this ten horns associates this beast with the beast of Daniel 7.7, 7, doesn't it? Okay, because that's what we were talking about back in Daniel 7. Verse 7 was the ten horns and the eleventh horn blasted away, which represents the final world empire of the Antichrist, which, thank you, Lord, the Messiah will eventually conquer. Jesus the Messiah, okay? So, um, in Daniel 7, 7, so you don't have to turn back to it, it says, After this I saw, this is Daniel's vision, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible. Remember he had seen, he had seen Babylon. Remember he had seen all the different, the um, lion and the bear and the leopard, and now he gets to the fourth. And he sees the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Okay? So, in Daniel's vision, the ten horns specifically represented the ten kingdoms that the final world dictator, the Antichrist, has authority over. Daniel 7. 24, okay? In John's vision, okay, because they correlate, right? Daniel is the prophetic book of the Old Testament. Revelation is the prophetic book of the New Testament, and they totally correlate one back to another. In John's vision, the ten crowns on the ten horns emphasize the same idea, okay? And if you remember, if you look at your little timeline of this, we also had Daniel... Um, two with Nebuchadnezzar's vision. Remember that Daniel did as well in Daniel, or interpreted as well in Daniel eight. We're going to see where this plays into at the very bottom, where it says the ram, the goat. See all of that, the stone. Okay, that will be out of Daniel eight. So it, they all, they all connect the governments represented by the ten crowns with the ancient Roman. Empire, okay? And if you remember in those visions, Daniel saw three successive world empires, okay? Each succeeded by the fourth, which in the context of the vision plainly described the Roman Empire, okay? And in the days that fourth empire, um, the Messiah will come and destroy all the earthly rule and reign over the earth, okay? Now that hasn't happened yet, has it? The other empires have happened, right? And so we are still waiting for that prophecy to be fulfilled. Remember when we studied about the six, seven reasons why you study prophecy is because one of them is God settles his accounts with men very slowly, right? Because he wants all of them to come to know him. He doesn't want anybody to perish, right? And he wants us to be sober, right? He wants us to be sober because this is going to happen. He wants us to live in a way so that we know this has all happened. This is going to happen. We need to take that soberly and live out in a way that will take others into the kingdom. Okay? So, on, let's go back to the... to. Uh, Revelation 13. On his heads, a blasphemous name. Okay, so now we're looking at the horns and got the crowns. And now on his heads, a blasphemous name. So the seven heads of the beast, okay, each advertise blasphemy against God. What is blasphemy? What is blasphemy? 
What is it? Everything everything that's against God, right? I mean, God says this, and you just say, absolutely not. In other words, everything that he says is true and right in this, this, you are absolutely opposite of. You're blaspheming. You are, you are, you are basically saying, you're God, I'm God, you're not. Okay? And you're blaspheming, okay? So it's each advertising blasphemy against God. Which, which, as I was studying this, you know what I thought? I thought, you know what, this speaks more of the beast's character more than it does the message, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Because when you're, it's your character. When you're blaspheming, when you're this, 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 it's your character. It's not so much your message that's going out. It's where it's coming from. It's your character. So that speaks more of his character, okay? Uh, that he is a blasphemer. He's a blasphemer. He speaks against God. Daniel 7.25, right? He speaks against God. All right, now, that was just verse 1. You're like, ah! Verse 1, all right? Verse 2, all right? This is the description. Yeah, I repeat it, right? Verse, and Kristen wants me to repeat the last 20 minutes. Oh, wait. Pretty soon it'll be on, it'll, all of this, you guys, will be on margofiesler.com. Just go and listen to it. It's it, Daniel 1, Daniel 1 through, Daniel 1 through 4 right now is, is up, is up. What, chapters 1 through one through six. Chapters one through six is up. So thank you, Lord. Okay, so if, if this is like, go back and listen to it as a whole, right? Um, all right, so verse two is the description of the beast of the sea. And again, it connects the images to Daniel 7. Okay, so he says, now, now the beast which I saw is like a leopard, his feet like the feet of a bear, mouth like the mouth of a lion. Okay, so we know. That connects into Daniel 7, don't we? All right, so like a leopard, a bear, a lion. Okay, in this vision, God used images from Daniel's vision in Daniel 7 to communicate the identity and nature of this beast to John. To John. Okay, remember, John's New Testament. John would know this. Okay, to John, all right? So Daniel 7 uses those four animals, those four beasts, to describe the course of human government from Daniel's time until the ultimate reign of Jesus on earth, right? Out here, millennial kingdom, his reign on earth, okay? So, whoops. So the first, I hope this doesn't pop out. Don't pop. I don't mean my leg. I mean this tape recorder. (laughs) Whoa! All right, my leg just went, no. Um, all right, so remember the lion was a picture of the Babylonian Empire, right? I want you to continue to understand this, right? The bear was a picture of what? Who, who look at your timeline. Who, who took over Babylon? Medo-Persian, right? The Medo-Persian, okay? Leopard was what? Greek. Greek Empire, right? The leopard was a Greek, and Greek beat the Medo-Persian, right? So, so the fourth animal then was this horrible, indescribable beast which shared the terrifying characteristics of the other beasts, yet it represents the final world empire under the leadership of a satanic dictator, the Antichrist, all right? So, John presents this beast, the Antichrist, as the extension of the fourth beast in Daniel 7. 
in Daniel 7, okay? Connecting his empire with the characteristics of the great empires of the past, right? He had a mouth like a leper. What does it say? I saw a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Okay, and so he's connecting this all together in his vision. And the final world empire will have the cat-like vigilance of a leopard, the slow crushing power of a bear, and the authority and ferociousness of a lion. Okay, so he's connecting this all in his vision with the vision from Daniel in Daniel 7. Okay, so... All indications in Revelation 13 are the beast is a man. The beast is an individual person. It is not a... um a, uh, it is. It is not a. Um, what am I trying to say? A system. It is not a. You know, a political movement. It is a person. It is a person called the Antichrist. Okay. Um, even though he is closely associated with the world-dominating government, it's not the system. It is the person of the Antichrist that is controlling the world-dominating government. Okay. Now. Who gave him his power? It says in verse 2. Who gave him his power? The dragon, right? Satan, right? It says the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So this world leader, the Antichrist, is really empowered and supported by Satan, the evil one, okay? And through this man, through this Antichrist, Satan will express his own desire and authority. Are you following me? He will express his own desire, uh, uh, his desire and authority, okay? Which, now listen carefully, which in this, the beast, the Antichrist, takes the offer from Satan that Jesus refused in Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10. Remember when Jesus was just going into his teaching ministry? He'd been praying and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, right? And he comes up, and who shows up? Satan doesn't. He says, oh, you can have all this. You can do all this. Bread and you're hungry. You know, all this kind of stuff. And Jesus refused it. He refused it. Right? He gave him scripture upon scripture upon scripture upon scripture. And then Satan fled and he was absolutely um, encouraged by the angels. Do you remember that? If you don't, read it again. It's in Matthew 4, 8 through 10. All right, but guess what? Not the Antichrist. Not the instead of Jesus. He does it. He takes the bite. He takes it. He's always wanted to take it. He's always wanted to take it. Always, okay? And so in this, the Antichrist takes the offer from Satan that Jesus refused. Okay? So this beast is not an ordinary man. I don't want you to think that this Antichrist is an ordinary guy. He is called he is called in Revelation 11 verse 7 and Revelation 17 verse 8. He is called the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. Okay? The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. 11 7 and 17 verse 8. All right, this is not an ordinary man. In fact, um, this is what Charles Spurgeon said of him. One who hails from that place must either be a dead man brought up again from the dead or some evil spirit which takes possession of a living man. In either case, the beast as a person is an extraordinary and supernatural being. 
you a person that might be living now and he enters into them? Is that kind of or what you're saying? Then become could be healed later on. Yeah. Yeah. Satan himself takes possession of this man. And this is what makes him exceptional. This is what makes him exceptional. This was the case with Judas. This was the case with Judas, who was possessed by Satan, it says in John 13, verse 27. Okay? So when you think about this, he's called the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. Ordinary men do not come from there. Okay, so this this man will have Satan himself will be will possess him, will possess him. All right, now. This is all during the tribulation, then. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. This is all during the tribulation. This is all the antichrist coming to power. Okay. Yep. Now, verse three. Verse three. You got the beast in his wound. Okay. I want you to hold on to this because it's important. We get this all together. Okay. The beast in his wound, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. Okay. Now this is the antichrist, right? Okay. It had been mortally wounded. Okay. This, you know, this is a head wound. This is a head wound, okay? A mortal wound. It's not a superficial injury. This is a head wound. This is a mortal wound. Perhaps it's an expression of God's judgment of the beast. Okay? It's a mortal wound, okay? And then it says, his deadly wo- and his deadly wound was healed. Are you following me? His deadly wound was healed. So the recovery of the beast increases his fame worldwide. Because, whoa! Look at that supernatural thing. The guy should be dead. Look at he's walking around. Are you kidding me? Okay, and it says all the world marveled and followed the beast. All the world marveled and followed the beast. Okay? Now twice later in Revelation 13:12 and 13:14, this recovery, okay, is mentioned in connection to the world's worship and devotion to the beast, which would be a natural to do. You see some miracle like that and you're like, "Whoa, follow this dude." Follow this dude, okay? Now, um, when he's mortally wounded and then healed, um, this is truly an antichrist. Are you following me? This is truly the instead of Jesus. Alright? Because he's even imitating Jesus in his death and resurrection. He's even imitating Jesus. Is everything okay over here? All right. In his death, <laughs> in his death and resurrection. Okay. Because all of a sudden I see everybody just looking over here, and I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So I'm like, okay, this is like really hard stuff, but is something going on? All right. All right. So um, he's wounded and then he's healed. Okay. This is truly. An antichrist. It's an instead of Jesus. Because he's imitating Jesus in his death and resurrection. And the world will believe this and it will add tremendously to his fame and power. This stuff just adds tremendously to it. It's like, whoa, look at this dude. Okay? So look at verse 4. You've got the authority and the popularity of the beast or of the antichrist. Okay? So they worship the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. Who gave authority to... The beast, the Antichrist, okay? Now, as people worship the Antichrist and bow down before his government, okay, it may not be that they know that they're bowing down to Satan himself. Are you following me? Because he disguises himself as an angel of what? 
Light is an angel of light. It may not be that they even know that they're bowing down to Satan himself, okay? But it is the worship of Satan nonetheless. Nonetheless, okay? They clearly worship both the beast and the dragon, it says. The beast meaning um, the Antichrist, the dragon meaning Satan. But the worship of the dragon may be unknowing. Now, um, I don't know about you, but um, I've been reading up on this. Satan worship is becoming more and more popular every year. It's becoming more and more popular every year. But it's still only a very tiny, tiny fraction of people that uh, worship Satan. When I was sharing this on Monday night, um, Doris Mertens, who was able to come on Wednesday, she comes Monday nights now, she said years and years ago, like 20 years ago, she was at Pizza Hut in Oconomowoc, and she was... um, uh, she saw she was she was waitressing there, and she saw people um, gathering a guy group gathering and praying. And she went over and said, "Oh, that's so great! You're praying everything." My husband's a youth pastor, and this, this, and everything. And and you know, and God bless you. And she, he goes, "Oh no, 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 no! We're, we're not praying to God. We're Satan worshippers." And she immediately rebuked him. In Jesus' name. She immediately rebuked them. Okay, so you know, it, it becomes more and more. But here's the deal. The reason there is a very tiny bit of people who worship Satan is because they expect Satan to appear ugly and horrific. I mean, think about even what they did at Halloween, right? With the like, yeah, with the, the little mm, and the pitchfork and then ah, right and everything, all ugly and how you know scary and everything it is. Okay, all right, but you know what? But this is wrong thinking. Okay, because in Second Corinthians eleven fourteen and fifteen, it says this. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if he ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. In other words, he transforms himself into an angel of light. You guys, it's insidious. How do you think he gets you? He doesn't come and go, ah! Because you'd run out of there, right? You, I mean, there'd be no way you're going to be listening to him. He doesn't come with a pitchfork and everything we made away because you would be like, whoa, that's Satan and I am out of here. There is no way in Jesus, you don't do that. He's insidious. He's like water getting into your basement. He, how, how did I get in there? Guess what? It found a way. It found the lowest part and everything. It found a way. Pretty soon your basement is flooded and pretty soon he's got a stronghold. He's got a toehold. He's got a foothold. He's got, and then he's got a stronghold. And then it's the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, that breaks every chain. Okay? So what happens is he, he disguises himself an angel of light. He doesn't come up and try to booga booga you or you'd run. Right? All right? That's not what he does. He, that, and that's what he's going to do with the Antichrist when we're already gone and the tribulation is going on. Okay? So. The church and the saints are gone. How will they know? Either or. How will they know if it's Satan? The Antichrist. Say again, Nicole. It's the remnant that's left over. That's right. It's the 144,000, which we haven't studied yet, with the remnant left over that Jesus will leave as the truth, right in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there will always be a remnant. There will always be a remnant here. Okay. Excellent, Nicole. Excellent. Okay, so in, in, in verse 4, then he says, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Right? It says, So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is, like, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Okay? So the world will be amazed at the power of the Antichrist and will believe that he's so mighty that he cannot be conquered. 
that he cannot be conquered, okay? And so for a time, very important words, for a time, the beast will look like winner, 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 okay? Right? Like, isn't, that, isn't that exactly what happens? For a time, it's like, hey, mm, huh? Huh? look at me, right? I'm winning, okay? Okay, for a time, okay? Because while he's blaspheming Jesus and he's blaspheming God and he's persecuting God's people, um, God's people will appear to be complete losers. Okay, they will, com- you know, they will be looked at as, oh, look at this guy. What are these? They're ridiculous losers, right? For a time, for a time, okay, for a very short time, because we already know. Who wins? We already know the prophecy. We already know the end of the story. We already know what goes on, what's going to go on, okay? And so, for a time, okay? And so, and so, worship of the devil and the devil's agent is justified purely on the, on the ground of brute force. That's, that's it. On the ground of brute force. Okay, so, in verse 5 and 6, I want you to see the beast's blasphemies because this is what he's doing. He's, you know, he's puking out all, all all over everybody, and it says he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, okay, speaking great things and blasphemies, blasphemer, I believe, you know, that's even a more accurate word for the Antichrist than Antichrist, okay, for this end times dictator, he's just an absolute blasphemer, and as much as anything, the beast is a man that speaks against God, and everything that God stands for, everything that he stands for, it says, he sta- what does he stand for, his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. Huh? Those who dwell in heaven, who is he speaking out against? The saints. What saints, Val? The ones that were The raptured saints. The raptured saints. Are you following me? Another indication, once again, we're raptured out of here. Because he's speaking against God's name, God's tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Who dwells in heaven? We will be dwelling in heaven. Those, you know, we've been raptured out of here, okay? So. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. All right? That's three and a half years. So the beast continues without restraint, excuse me, without restraint by God, by God for a period of three and a half years. Okay? So the duration of this period shows that the beast has full reign for the first half of the final seven years. And during the whole time, he's still under God's authority. Does that blow your mind? He's still under God's authority. You know why? God's in control. He's in control of everything. Right? Remember beginning of Daniel? We've been studying, right? The settled assurance, God's in control. Everything you see on this timeline, right? Totally in control. Allowed it to happen every time for our good and for his glory. Our good and for his glory. Our good. Absolutely. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. Right? We just see the parade as it goes by. He sees the whole parade all at once. And there it is. And so when you realize that, that he's totally in control, okay, that, that God allows it for a time. He allows it for a time. He allows it for a time. Okay? He's totally in authority, even over the Antichrist in the tribulation. He tells us right here in Revelation 13. You guys, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. That he's always in control. But see, what happens is there has to be a come up and stay. There has to be judgment. There has to be because he can't be more grace than he is truth. He can't be more truth than he is grace. It has to be. Jesus is 
truth and grace. Okay? And so there has to be a time where it's like, you know what, it's not the fiscal cliff and you can make more money. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? There is a cliff and it will end. And that's it. But he's in control. He's always been in control. I just have to ask this before it leaves me. If he, if he forces everyone to receive the mark on his right hand or his forehead so that no one could buy or sell, what, what, where are the 144,000 that were left behind? I mean, are they getting this mark? Oh, no. no. Are they they're being persecuted. They're hiding. They're, they're dying. They're, you know... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're out in the world, but they're going to be, you know, underground, underground stuff, and and uh, you know, people are going to try to have to sneak them food and get all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, just just like third world countries now that you read about. Yeah, yeah, that's how it will be. Good question. Yeah, it is. It's very scary. That's why we've got to be sober and live and take people with us. Okay? So, um, so it says, so I'm asking, why does the beast blaspheme those who dwell in heaven? Okay? Which I mentioned before. Okay? This means that he's speaking out those who were taken in the rapture and are therefore out of his reach. Nana, nana, boo, boo. Right? You tried to get us while we were here. But he that's in me, First John 4, 4, is greater than he that's in the world, right? You guys, you walk with that assured subtleness that God's in control, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us. He that's in us, right? So he's in attack in and through us, so we're not under attack. So of course he's going to speak out. It's like he doesn't, he can't get to us. He couldn't get to us here. He ain't going to get to us there. He, his demise is soon up, okay? And he's madder than a hatter, right? And he wants to take as many as he can with him. And guess what? Because we're sober. Because we know that we know we need to live. We need to live as an overcomer now. Overcomer now. Overcomer now. Because we're living for the day and not today. Right? This is the big picture. The big picture. Okay? So, in verses 7 and 8, the beast makes war against the saints. All right? So, it was granted to him to make war with the saints. All right? So, Revelation 12 um, describes this really broad phenomenon of, a sat- of satanic persecution during the tribulation period. If you want to read it, read it in Revelation 12, okay? And the main instrument of this persecution is revealed. It's the government of the Antichrist will persecute and kill all who do not bow in worship to him. Persecute and kill all who will not bow and worship to him, okay? So it says then to overcome them, okay? It was granted to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Overcome doesn't mean the overcome that I just shared out of John 16, 33, okay? That's not what that overcome is. Overcome doesn't mean that the beast can overcome the faith of the saints. He can never overcome the faith of the saints, ever. Ever, 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 ever. He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. He can never overcome the faith of the saints, okay? But he can destroy their physical lives. He can destroy their physical lives. And by all appearances, defeat the cause of God's people on this earth. By all appearances. There's the key word. Defeat the cause um, of God's people on this earth, okay? So, who are these saints who are overcome by the beast. Okay? Alright? Who are these saints? These are the saints, right, that come to know Jesus, right, accept salvation through Jesus Christ, right, during the tribulation. During the tribulation. Because you're either a saint or an ain't. Alright, good. Okay? Because in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said of the church, the church, church age, body of Christ, 
right? Body of Christ, church age, that's raptured out of here. He says that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, okay? Matthew 16, verse 18. Okay, if this group of saints, okay, meaning us, okay, um, is overcome by Satan, they're not the New Testament church. They're not us. Okay, so once again, we're out of here. All right? They're not the New Testament church. It's the saints that have come to Christ during, after the church age is gone, after we're raptured out of here. Okay? Um, because they are not the same as the New Testament church that Jesus is speaking about. All right? So, as we go on, it says to overcome them, and it says all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Right? It says all who dwell... All who dwell on the earth will worship him. All right. The final world dictator will demand and receive worship from the whole earth. But those who worship him will pay the price. Will pay the price because they are the names that are what? Not written. Not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They will pay the price. They might be able to live for a little short time. But they will pay the price because their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, you know, when when you look at and you say, well, how is everybody going to worship him? You guys, just think back. Just think back to the great and terrible totalitarian rulers of the 20th century. Just think back. I think Val, you mentioned right? Hitler. Think about um, Lenin, Stalin, Mao. Think about all that stuff. How could that happen? How could that happen? Mass mentality, right? Mass mental, all we like sheep have what? Gone astray, right? It's just like, oh, right? It's just mass mentality, okay? Because it's hard, you think, wow, it's hard to think that a dominating world leader would demand such declarations of allegiance, tantamount to worship to himself, and it's going to happen. You guys, it's happened before. It's happened before. It has happened before. And the book of life, As you know, the book of life contains all the names of God's redeemed. It says it in Revelation 20, verse 15, right? And those are not found in the Lamb's book of life for what? Cast into the lake of fire. Cast into the lake of fire. So the idea is that worshiping the beast and having, listen carefully, the idea is worshiping the beast, worshiping the Antichrist, and having your name written in the Lamb's book of life is mutually exclusive. That cannot happen. It's oil and water. It cannot happen. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What great words, right? goes back to say the lamb slain. They are those whose names have been written in the lamb's book of life, okay? And the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You guys, this is such a deep, meaningful title of Jesus. Right? Deep, meaningful title of Jesus Re- reminds us of God's plan of redemption. It wasn't a second thought. It wasn't, what am I going to do now? It always was because he was slain before the creation of the world. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Okay, You have to remember that God's plan of redemption was set in place before he even created the beings like you and me that were going to be redeemed. Right? His redemption was already set in place before he even created us. Before those who needed to be redeemed. How cool is that? 
How great is that from the foundation of the world? So God wasn't surprised by the fall of Adam and Eve, okay, or any other evidence of fallen man. He's not like, oh, I can't believe they did this. Right? It's just the natural outcome of fallen man. He's not surprised by it. God isn't making it up as he's going along. Hmm, what am I going to do now? Well, let's shoot from the hip. What do you think I should do? He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's right. He's all-knowing. He doesn't make it up. He doesn't think, oh, wow, look at what man's done now. Are you kidding me? He's God. He doesn't do that. He, you know, it, it is all going according to plan. This is according to plan. Okay, his plan will not be thwarted. So when we see all of this has happened, you can bet your boots the rest of this is going to happen. And it's all according to his plan. I want you to um, leave with this. I want you to see about, about how God talks about from before the foundation of the world. Okay, I want you to see it's all going according to plan. John 17, 24. There are four points I want, or five points I want to make here. John 17, 24. God the Son had a relationship of love and fellowship with God the Father before the foundation of the world. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? John 17, 24. Okay, before the foundation of the world. Right? He always was, always is, always will be. 1 Peter 1, 20. The work of Jesus, the work of Jesus, knowing that he was to come to die, his teaching ministry, to, to you know, ascend, to be, you know, I mean, Everything, the work of Jesus, seated at the right hand of God the Father, okay, was ordained before the foundation of the world. Okay? You think he's faithful? Oh, yeah. They say, oh, you know what? These guys really upset me. I don't think I'm going to send Jesus. Just let them all go to hell. Would he do that? No, he doesn't want this. You guys, he wants you to be redeemed. This is, this, yes. I mean, you know what? That wouldn't even be a thought to him because he's God. God is love. Yeah, exactly, Bill. That's it. They're done, right? All right. Ephesians 1.4. God chose his redeemed. Who's redeemed? Who's redeemed? Raise your hand. Right? Okay. God chose his redeemed before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1.4. Right? We were chosen before the foundation of the world. Chosen by him before the foundation. That should give you all kinds of worth. Right, chosen before the foundation of the world. Revelation 17, verse 8. Names are written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, before the foundation of the world. Okay? So all of our names are written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Now, there's going to be a last name. And when that last person comes to know him, bing! Bing! We're out of here. We're out of here. Right? One last person. I don't know if it starts with a Z or not. But, right? We're out, I mean, everybody's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Be redeemed. Because remember, he had foreknowledge. Okay. You guys, you have to understand. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he didn't want anybody to perish and all to come to him. Okay? But you have to realize he's God. So he knows who's going to accept him with the free will and who's not. So he already knew before the foundation of the world who would accept him and who wouldn't accept him. It's, it's foreknowledge. That's what Ephesians talks about. It's foreknowledge. Okay? Now, do we know that? 
No. And he wants all to come to know him. So that's where you're always evangelizing. You're always sharing. You're always sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Because he wants, he want, he died for everybody. He doesn't want anybody to perish, it says in 1 Peter. But, but because there is will. There is, he gave us self-will. He realizes that there's going to be some who do not accept him. And he already knows who they are. But we don't. That's why you got to be, you know, it's like, come on. Right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right? That we're always given that hope. We're always given that hope. All right? And the last one is out of Matthew 25, 34. The kingdom of heaven was prepared for us, the redeemed. The kingdom of heaven was prepared for the redeemed before the foundation of the world. You guys, those are five promises you can take to the bank. No, don't take to the bank anymore. You can just stand on Right? You can just stand on. Because all this was done before the creation of the world. He had it already done. That's why he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, and we have this settled assurance that he is in control, even in control of the Antichrist, of the one who's instead of Jesus, of the one who's trying, you know, for his seven years with his little mortal wound. Yes. What was the scripture for that last one? Uh, that was um, Matthew twenty five thirty four. The kingdom of heaven was prepared for the redeemed before before the creation of the world. All right. Now we don't have time to buzz into this, but I want you to read the last part of Revelation 13 because starting in verse 11 it's John's initial description of the second beast okay I will touch on that next week and we'll go into Revelation 19 and then we'll go in which is short and then we'll go which is more of the Antichrist and you'll see what he's going to be doing when he's here and then about the mortal wound and stuff and then we'll go into um, uh, Daniel so I want you to read Daniel 8 as well, okay? Because um, this other beast that he sees rising out of this out of the um, out of the earth, excuse me, not the sea, out of the earth, is the false prophet. Okay? And basically, the false prophet is the buddy of the Antichrist. Okay? The false prophet is the one who's going to be sort of the marketing agent, you know, sort of the advertising agent kind of thing for the beast. For the Antichrist. He'll be, you know, doing all the, you know, getting everybody going kind of thing as, as the Antichrist will be, quote-unquote, reigning, you know, uh, with Satan in and through him. So uh, he is the false prophet, which then, of course, is the unholy trinity and is supposed to mimic the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit. Okay. So I want you to read that. Um, and, and read your commentary with it. Read it. Go back and forth. Okay? Read it. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart because He will. You'll be able to walk through it. And if you don't understand it, put it on your God shelf and you know you can come back to it. So we'll we'll finish up with the um, with the um, prophet, the false prophet, and then we'll go into Revelation 19. So I want you to read Revelation 19. You'll love Revelation 19. And then we'll kick into Daniel 8, right? And which will then finish up our, our um, timeline. It will go deeper into the prophecy of it. So I'm excited about that. But the, the key about this, we're not learning this to become smarter what? Sinners. We're not learning this to become smarter sinners. We're, we are walking through this so that as Daniel was given all of this prophecy, and, and of course only only uh, this had happened when he was 
given this, right? All of this hadn't happened yet, right? That, that I want you to walk out of here with the settled assurance knowing that God is in control. No matter, you guys, if he can control all of this, he can control your day. He's in control of your day. If he can control all this, not making one little boo-boo, not one little time, not one prophecy wrong, not one anything. You guys, he's the God who flung the stars in the, in the, you know, in the universe, who laid the moon out, this, this. If he did that and he, and, and he is doing this, he is faithful to complete what he has started in you. In you, he can absolutely, he's in control of your day. It's if you want to give it over or not. Because you know what? You are more than a conqueror in him. You are more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror means the victory's already done. We're just in God's waiting room waiting for it to be revealed. We're more than a conqueror. No matter what your day looks like, no matter what news you hear, no matter what your kids are doing, what your husband's doing, you know, finances, this, 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 you guys, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Right? Because that's who he is. I mean, we can, we can look at this and go, oh, wow, whoa, yeah, man, I mean, look at how faith, absolutely, and, and yeah, but oh, man, I, I, he can't take care of my finances, whoa, 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 he can't take care of my kid, he can't, what? That's blasphemy, that's blasphemy to him, that is telling him you can't, when he already has it done. It's us to agree with him and to come alongside and say, yep, you're already a conqueror in this. I can see. Thank you for giving us this incredible vision that we've seen on this side of it and are waiting for the rest of it. Help us to live soberly so that others are going to follow us, so others will live that life, so that they too will live all in this incredible time. All this incredible time. Please, a lion laying down with a lamb? I'm going to be right there, baby. I mean, please, you guys, think about He's got this already done in the heavenlies, right? Before the foundation of the world, He chose you. How much more isn't He going to take care of you? He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. We like Him being the author of it. We don't like Him being the perfecter of it. Right? And he's, he's, He's making us more and more like Him. Right? He is in control. And we are to live in the joy of the Lord as your strength, knowing that you know that he's in control. That settled assurance that it's already done. And then guess what happens? Others, no matter what you're going through, they're like, I want what you have. I want what you have. I want what you have. And you say, well, guess what? It's Jesus. Follow me right to the throne. I just, you know, one thing that Well, like I don't. (laughs) I never tear up. Did you believe this because he said it and it happened? And uh, this verse, you know, going through this in this verse in my reading this week about Easter, um, in Matthew 28 6, he has risen just as he said. Yeah. He did it. And I'm like, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, but see, but you know what? That verse came alive to you. Because of where you're in. You're non negotiable. You're studying this list. And all of a sudden, that verse became this is mine. Whoa. Just as he said. You've probably read that. We've read that every Easter, right? He has risen, just as he said. Excellent. No, no, no. He has risen, just as he said. That means when he says something, he does it. 
you walk in that. Doesn't matter what the scene looks like. Matters the unseen's already been before you. And it's going before you and has it already done. That's what matters. And it matters if you want to match your faith so it starves your fears. That's all that matters. Because your faith will starve your fears. He's risen just as he said. Guess what? From 597 BC until now, just as he said. Just as he said. Right? And when you look at the Bible, guys, just in closing, when you look at the Bible, and you see that it's 66 books with, you know, X amount of authors with all this through 1,400 years through whatever, you know, it's you're just like, whoa, whoa. I mean, really, you try to go to any library and grab 66, I mean, with the same author, I mean, any kind of stuff, right? And you're like, this, I mean, it's just, it's just so cohesive, so perfect, so planned. I mean, you know that you know that it's God who wrote that. You know that you know. You know that you know. And no matter what happens to the Bible, it is tried to be stomped on, ruined. You can't print anymore in this, this. And it just kept, like rabbits. It just kept, you know, flourishing, man. It just, the more they tried to persecute the Word of God and this, this, the more it just throws out, right? I mean, look at Revelation 1 through 6. The church that was persecuted the most, right, grew the most. Right? You know why? Kept right there, kept right there, kept right there, right next to, right next to Jesus, right next to the cross. The, and through persecution, that's how you know you tend to be. Whoa! But like Joe Briscoe says, right? You know, when the, when God is all you have, God's all you need. Yeah. And then whoa! Right? Same thing. He's risen, just as he said. Woo! Amen. Same thing here. Right? Amen. Who wants to close in prayer? Come on, somebody's bread like. <laughs> right, Val? Isn't that how it goes? I'd love to. I can hardly wait to praise him. Oh, thank you, Jesus.